Hi BLU babes. Before we get into the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion for many Americans. I believe everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions like Lawrence v. Texas and Loving v. Virginia. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. If you want to help, learn more by visiting podvoices.help. You can also support others by donating to abortion funds throughout the United States linked in the show notes. Abortion is healthcare, so please join us in this cause. Speak up, take a stand, and spread the word. Now, on to the show. Hello, 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 and welcome to Better Left Unsaid. Welcome, welcome. Um, today I am joined by Brenda and Aaron. Hello, guys. Hey. Hello. Thanks for inviting us and for feeding us. Uh, that's how I get. What, that's how I get what I want. Here's food and wine. <laughs> food and wine. Um, you know, a nice cheap box white. Well, it's in a glass, you know. That. That's true. That's true. I should have just filled up all the all the glasses, <laughs> so no one would ever know. Yeah, welcome. Um, as we start every Better Left Unsaid episode, um, and y'all are new guests too, do y'all have an embarrassing story or stories? Two guests twice a month. You go first. No, you go first. She, she's she's still thinking. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so, I'm, it's so unfortunate that I have so many embarrassing stories. I mean, I could just tell the one that I just told you where I thought that going to Rice was going to be cheap. I mean, the fact that this uh, this series, this podcast has gone on so long is extraordinary <laughs> because I didn't think I would have this many embarrassing <laughs> stories. Full on episode 37. Um, I've had a lot of embarrassing stories to share, so no shame. Yeah. All right, all right. What's the appropriate length for this embarrassing story? Because it can be abbreviated. Mercifully abbreviated. All Just right. tell it. I'm going to crop shit out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, being Jewish, you guys don't know this. Just being you don't know you're Jewish? No, you guys, don't, you guys don't know this about being Jewish. Is that just being Jewish comes with its own set of just embarrassment. Like, my mom talks about or saving my foreskin to just like everybody <coughs> like I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you just can't you can't escape the embarrassment of just being yeah, being Jewish. But the pinnacle of of embarrassment happens for everybody, probably regardless of religion, in preteens, early teens. So of course the religion has this massive celebration for your early adulthood holding requirements for allotments, but for growing. It was like the worst worst possible time. Like you're still pubescent, whatever. It's it's awful. Anyway, 
it's a it's a massive event. It's like wedding level, you know, like they're learned a dead language, read the dead language ritually in front of for five hundred people at this massive party. And it's the mom's job to plan an excellent party. Like it's gotta be very memorable. And I was the youngest son, so it's the last time I'll get to do it. Trade with my older brother. This time she's gonna surprise me. Oh, oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> she's like, she's like, this is my introverted side. I, I'm gonna really blow it out of the water for him at this party. And she's like sneakily asking me questions, like, what kind of music do you into these days? You know, like we're on a ride home from school or something. And I'm, I'm in the metal at this time. <laughs> I'm like total edge lord. I love Metallica, Pantera. I tell her this. She forgets completely. Then we get to my party. She surprises me with a fire dancer. <laughs> <laughs> and before the fire dancer comes out, she gathers everyone around and sits me in the middle of this circle, like in front of everybody, facing this stage thing. Half naked woman comes out. Right. I was about to ask. Yeah, of course it's a female fire dancer. Like, I here's although the thing. she although I she know swears that you were gay. Yeah, my mom was is very certain, even to this day. She was like, "Oh yeah, I would have bet every penny I had on Aaron being gay." I mean, the hence hence me asking because because <laughs> I have already heard stories about your mom prior to the prior to this. Yeah, yeah, she she was so proud of herself. Like I like look over, I'm completely wrecked. Like there's no way to hide anything that's happening to me. And Nine Inch Nails starts playing some, and it's just like the worst kind of alternative rock, like whatever. While well, the fire, the fire dancer she's dancing, dancing to Nine, Nine Inch Nails because my mom thought that was the closest thing to like Metallica or something. So this goes on for like five, just like twenty minutes or something. Like and it's it was that long? It was long. I, I thought it was one this song. This woman was so athletic. Like, she just kept going. And, you know, they, like, sprayed themselves with water yeah, so yeah. they catch on fire and spinning. She had all kinds of, like, props involving chains. And it you was... think the fire would go out in 20 minutes. Well, she keeps lighting it. You know? <laughs> she lit it she had an assistant, I'm pretty sure. She was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so Fire Dancer, Nine Inch Nails, deeply on. I have an uncle that comes up to me afterwards, and he's like, he's like, man, I wish my mom got me a hooker for my <laughs> my bar mitzvah. I'm like, oh my god, this is the worst experience of my whole life. And I haven't told my mom that I reflect so negatively on my life. It's like core trauma. But she's still like, I did such a good job. I really gave my son a great party. I mean, she gave you a great story. Was was it she was like, memorable? It's memorable. <laughs> was she like a belly dancer esque, like you know, bikini and and like shawl and skirt, or she had? Was she like you know dressed in a tux? No, no, full on, full on like like slave Leia style <laughs> bikini thing. Yeah. Did you get a fire dancing lap dance? But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like, basically what it, it felt like within, like, a controlled manner. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, at that point, you might as well have had a pizza. 
Oh, that's my embarrassing story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I turned 15 and I had a alternative placement, which is like... <laughs> what does that mean? It's like you don't do the church stuff and you, you, know, you don't do the mass and you don't wear the big dress. It's like Josh's. Josh's sister's kids. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want. I didn't want all the pomp because I was embarrassed. All the Catholicism. Well, not even the Catholicism. (laughs) But like, I didn't. I didn't want to do the parading around the Galleria in my giant dress. Mm. And I didn't really have a lot of friends, so it wasn't like I could have like a entourage of people. You know, like they do now these days, but. I invited my then boyfriend and my friend, my other friends, like Sean was there and had a couple other friends that were there. And it was in this like really small party hall that my parents owned at the time. Um, And it was, it was fun. It was a fun party. You know, you don't know what you like when you're 15. So like, Everything is cringy, black and red. Oh, you no. Know, Twilight <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And it's terrible, and it's, like, really embarrassing. But the more embarrassing part is all my friends left because it was getting late. And my dad owns the party hall, so we're going to stay there as long as humanly possible. And when my dad got on the table to start to strip... What? Everyone was deeply uncomfortable. So my dad was really drunk, and so was everybody else. And you know how my dad does parties. We still have alcohol from our wedding. We have. I want to. I want to say we have maybe like. Bottles of champagne. Like our wedding. Two years ago now? No, a year ago. A year ago. Not even a year ago. We have an impact. I think it was on the same day as my birthday. On the the 5th of November? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Anyway, so everyone's wasted. And again, I don't have many friends. So the people that are there are bakery employees. And at the time, I think we only had one bakery. Maybe two. And the my dad says something like, I'll take my shirt off for a dollar. And money just starts flying out of everywhere. I don't I I'm like, you know, when you're so deeply embarrassed that you can't even see anymore. You're just like, this is happening. It's my birthday. <laughs> Why am I here? I mean, people were enjoying it, though. I mean, I mean people were enjoying it. They wouldn't it. have taken up money. I mean, he, he didn't get naked. But he just got on the table. And I felt like I was underground. <laughs> like, I, I, I couldn't dig a hole in the ground deep enough to get me out of the situation. I feel like the real question is, did he give you the money? No, I didn't get any of the cash. Uh, like, you might as well get your dad stripper money. It's your birthday. It was my birthday. 
<laughs> Treat yourself. My one wish is to get the twelve dollars my dad made. Made at my birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like since we're on like bat mitzvahs and kitzes and coming of age, um, I mean, I'm Catholic and white, so the closest I get is three sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, which. I feel like I was almost tricked because my sister, whenever she turned 16, she's like three or four years older than me. Whenever she turned 16, my parents, like throughout all times, like fully made foam cameras with flashes so that all you would need to do is press a button and the flash would go off. And so whenever... It was like a red carpet moment, so whenever she was walking up, and literally they did it for a good like 10 minutes for everybody who was walking the red carpet. That's cute. Um, And they just had a bunch of flashes, like it was paparazzi, which I always thought was so cool. I think I was like forced to help make popcorn or something for her birthday. Um, And I always thought that was so cool, like, oh yeah, you know, I want to do something for my sweet 16. Uh, yeah, no, nope, nope. Um, you know, the best I could get as a young, young gay man, um, who turned 16, who, I think I was, like, maybe a couple weeks from actually coming out to my parents. Um, I had invited a bunch of people to do, like, oh, let's all, you know, get together and do, like, a movie night. I want to do a movie night. Um. Three people showed up. <laughs> Three people showed up. Um, I still had a lot of fun. Um, and one of my friends got me a Snuggie. So there's like a picture of me in a Snuggie while I'm like fully cuddling our family dog on the ground. Like just laying on the, on the ground. <laughs> which was super cute. Um, but yeah. Three people out of like I think that I had invited. I invited a lot of people too and no one came. It, I mean, I don't know. It's like the time where like your parents don't really let you do anything and you're like, I don't want to drive you over there. Like, Right. How, well, and then I have to pick you up? What the fuck? No. I feel for anyone who has a birthday in early November. Um, you know, for all the people who say birthdays in December are bad because you have to share it with, with Christmas. That's one thing. Birthdays, whenever you're younger in early November, are the worst. Because that is when midterms are happening. That's when, like, finals are actually, you know, everybody is studying. Everybody yeah. is getting ready for their test. No one is going out. March sucks, too, because in, in like, middle school and high school, March is when you have your math tax test or star test. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's every, almost every year on my birthday, I had a, an exam, um, like one of those exams. But you get to go home early. I mean, at least there is that. And they used to let you read after you finished. So, you know, you could pull your book out or whatever. But now they don't let you do that. They, they just, don't let you read. They don't let you read. They don't let you pull out your so book. I remember my last, like, my, the last two tests that I took like were tax tests. I, they didn't let us. Re- they didn't let us bring anything in. 
Which is like, okay, so now I'm just gonna sleep. Great. I just remember one of the last tax tests that I took was an English tax test. We had to like read a couple stories and do grammar and all that stuff. What's the main purpose of reading comprehension? Yeah. Um, it was a weird ass story, and um, it was literally about some girl who sucked at everything. She was the worst at everything. So she wanted to try to find something and be the best at it. And she decided marbles. That's what she was going to be the best at. So, literally, she spends the entire story working out her thumb until her mom goes, Oh my god, what happened to your thumb? I think I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. She's literally, her mom is like, she why had like a rubber your, band or something like why that. Why is right? your thumb so swollen? What is wrong with you? And it was just buff as hell. It was so buff. And she ended up <laughs> winning this marble Com- competition. Yeah, competition. Yeah. She had been she had been working out her thumb. Yeah, to I be remember super this buff story. By squeezing an eraser. Or an eraser, there it is. Squeezing an eraser. Um <laughs> I thought it was like a rubber band or something like that, right? I think it was rubber. So weird. So weird. I, it's weird like, you guys remember that. What is it? It's like the, <laughs> it was just, it was just so weird. Core memory unlocked. It's just like, I like oh, shit. I think about that maybe once or twice a year where I'm just <laughs> like, God, that was such a weird story that they made us read and then made us like analyze of like, why did her mom freak out? Because her thumb was Fucking ginormous. <laughs> <laughs> Whose job is it to write those stories? Because it's not excerpts from actual literature. It's just it's just they're just random. whatever the heck. Yeah. I there's a part of me that hopes that because they also had the writing tax. There's a part of me that hopes that, that they like, take the someone's best story. writing tax <laughs> ends, up being, <laughs> ends up being. <laughs> recycled for it's, next year. It's a secret competition that no one knows they're entering, and you get nothing out of it except the score. It's a conspiracy about the tax test. I, I wonder what conspiracies they have about Star. Oh my god. My brother. I remember we were talking about revolution food. Oh yeah. I remember the, the food distributing. I don't think it's a company, I think it's just what it's called. It's like Revolution Food. When Michelle Obama was like doing the no more obese children in the world, mm. my brother was like, The food's terrible. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> We don't want oat chips. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want pizza. I'm like, The food's always been bad. What are you talking about? I mean, either, they have to feed a bunch of kids. Either you're getting good chicken fried steak, which I don't know if either of y'all had like fried steak days. We had chicken fried steak days. It was every Wednesday where they'd have chicken fried God steak damn. and mashed potatoes. <laughs> it was not the best this chicken fried steak. This is Texas. chicken fried steak day. It was chicken fried steak. Um, the rest of the days, it was like the flat pizza. The flat pizza. You had the veggie burger, cheeseburger, whatever. You had the cheese sticks with, cheese the, with the water sauce. And when they had cookies, I fully accidentally stole some of those cookies. Yeah. I just like I would 
have a tray, I'd have it full of stuff, and then I'd grab a cookie and be holding it in my hand. Underneath? Underneath the tray. It, I wasn't meaning to steal <laughs> it, they just didn't clock it. It's not my fault. That's sneaky. It wasn't I'm going to try that at uh, Ikea. Meatballs. Next time. Meatballs. Sir, can you? I feel like I'm just imagining meatballs underneath some flat pack pieces of furniture <laughs> where they flip it over and it's just like meatball stains on the other side. All grease. On the like, cardboard. So, yeah. Uh, we all went to school together. We did. Basically. You're kind of like a bridge between Aaron and I. A little bit, yeah. Because Aaron and I started studio together, and then I finished studio with you. What's funny is, had I known what I was doing my first year, I would have started with y'all. Because I went to orientation and realized very quickly whenever they told me I was too stupid for engineering. That engineering was not for me. Oh, and you and you still and finished. I it. no, I changed. I changed I know, my but major, but I had to go through the whole semester to actually get into the College of Architecture. Oh. I was in the same situation. Yeah, because yeah. I went there for engineering, and then first the week I was like, "Holy shit! Yeah, there's no way I can do this. Yeah, I need to draw pictures. I need pictures. <laughs> I need to draw pictures. Um." No, at orientation, because I split all of the groups apart, mm-hmm. and then there was like maybe 10 or 15 of us left in this auditorium, this massive auditorium, and they were like, oh, if you're still in here, you are engineering unspecified, which means you have to try a little bit harder to catch up to everybody else. Jesus. And I'm literally sitting there like, I thought I was mechanical. Um, was not. Called my mom that day and I was like, I'm changing my major. Yeah. Um, you found out quick though, that's good. Kind of. Yeah. But then I ended up changing my major. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we all went to school together. We all, you know, went through the same horror stories. Yeah. What's uh, something that you learned that you feel like you sort of took into? Oh, God. Actual adulthood. Because as much as I want to say being a 20-something is adult, like, graduating college is actual adult. Um, I, it's, it's hard. One of, one of the really big things that I learned being in studio with Aaron, Aaron and I were dating while we were in studio together. I was, we had one particular professor that liked to bring him over to my desk and critique me, although we were in the same studio. And it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> it wasn't his, it wasn't Aaron's fault. It was this professor's, just, I don't know, the way that they taught or whatever. And I, I remember wanting to quit. Not because of the situations that we were in, just because I just didn't really like it or, yeah. you know, whatever. But it it kind of felt like I was too far into it. <laughs> and I wasn't, you know? In, like in your situation, 
he said, you know, you, you kind of knew right off the bat that you weren't made for engineering. You didn't want to do it. Aaron, you had the same thing. I mean, they kind of called me stupid. So. I know, but... Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in industrial design, I feel like you get called stupid during every single presentation oh, yeah. you have. And then you just learn to just know that you're stupid. <laughs> it's different in industrial design because they can't use a numerical metric to insult your intelligence. Yeah. They just have you stand in front of people and then say, You're bad for reasons like you simply can't explain. Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah. And I it's it's interesting to see now like when because Aaron is a professor at UH in industrial design. It's interesting when he's grading stuff the house and I'm looking at it and I'm like yeah I mean I, I get it you know like some of the things that our professor used to say to us like how, how am I supposed to help you if you don't even know where you need help it's like yeah that's, that's true it's hard to communicate what you need if you have no idea what you're doing mm-hmm. but also professors need to be a little bit more lenient on that I think because it's like we, we have no fucking clue what we're doing right this is why we're here <laughs> I think that's something that I've had to tell a number of students because I still interact with them often. Um, is like y'all are here to learn. Yeah. Y'all, y'all are not coming into this space knowing and, what you're doing. Yeah. And any idea of you saying, "Oh, I know exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it," is throw it out the door. Yeah. Don't. Really, really don't. You are here to learn that. So, any amount of rough critiques or anything like that, you cannot take it personally. Yeah, and that's. You have to look at it as you are new to this, you are learning how to do this. Um, you have to take it with a grain of salt and, and, you know, move on and learn from it because if you're not, then why are you here? Yeah. I, all three of us have been to grad school, and in undergrad, I feel like I was always really upset that I hadn't just switched majors in the beginning, mm-hmm. but I, I stuck with it, and I, I finished it, and as much as Aaron wants to tell me that I'm a good designer, I know that I am not. <laughs> I don't do things the way that most designers do them, even though I'm classically trained, but when I remember... I felt like when I, I took a, a year off, so that led me into being in the studio with you. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking, oh, I don't have enough to do because in in school it was like just go 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 all the time. Mm-hmm. And then when I took that year off, I didn't really take it off. I just didn't do studio, which you have to do every year. Um, but I I just did like the core curriculum classes, and it was way too easy. Because I was just so used to being stressed all the time, oh, yeah. like my hair falling out and you know whatever. And then you know I decided to get a job, which was nice um, for my mental health. And then um, I also uh, got a minor in business administration. And I remember taking uh, a supply chain class and thinking like, God, I really fucked this. Like I, I really, I really chose the wrong thing from the very beginning. I didn't have the same situation that you guys had, where it was like, 
I I was I was gonna start going to school for this one thing and then decided to switch. I was like, no, I'm gonna go to school to be an industrial designer. That's the plan. I go. I fucking hate it. <laughs> oh my god, what did I do? And then it's like, I gotta finish it. I just gotta go to college. That's all my parents wanted. So they just want me to go to college. No one's gone to college. I just gotta go finish this. And then I remember I got a I got my college ring. And I got it uh, engraved. Uh, and it's it says for you because my first degree is for my parents. <laughs> like I just I just needed to get out. And I I as much as I love our professors and you know they're Aaron's friends now, which is a little weird. uncomfy. Yeah, so weird. <laughs> uh, it is kind of weird having them as peers. Yeah, and like you talk to them like about regular things. Like it, as much as I love them, and and as much as I love Unsook, and as much as I love industrial design, it's it wasn't for me. And I I finished it, and I did it. I think that if people are in a similar situation, and you feel like you have to finish it just to see it through and maybe hope that you'll like it you probably won't you probably won't fucking like it but if it's money some people don't have that right okay. some people don't have the luxury of being like oh, i'm four years in and now i've decided that this isn't for me and i'm gonna start a new course it's like you gotta make do but going to grad school i think was one of the best choices that i ever made it was it it was a completely different. Aaron and I went to school together, like at the same time. And you went back to get an industrial design degree, which shows how much you love it. Because I would never, <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> I just watched you do projects and thought, like, I would rather pull all my teeth out <laughs> than do what you're doing right now. And I remember, like, Aaron, we were sitting on the couch, and Aaron's like working on like some leather seat that he has to present like at the end of the week or something and I'm like doing Excel sheets and like running like R programs and whatever and doing yeah. all this stuff and God, I, hate R. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but just like doing all this stuff and Aaron leaning over and going like, Is there anything that I can help you with? And I'm literally like, No. Like <laughs> actually You're too dumb. Not even not not at all. You are not too dumb at all. But it was just like, I, I don't even know how to explain this to you because you've actually never done this before and I have and I'm stuck and I just got to think about it. And then, you know, looking over at Aaron and being like, oh, let me hold that for you because I can actually help you like with menial shit, like sewing something together or like, can you take a picture of me while I do this so I can put it in my process book because we know the drill. Right, we know right. how it goes, what to do, what the professors want, and going to a completely different school. And I feel like you have a similar experience. I do, because we had we did the same undergrad the same. and the same masters. Yeah, going into that, it's like just showing the the most minimal amount of talent when it comes to making a deck is like. Oh my god, you're so good at this. And it's like, I just needed I this is what oh, I do. Yeah. I just needed somebody to tell me you're doing a good job, and pat me on the back, and just be like, Wow, you're so talented. As much as I hate working on anything in PowerPoint. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I hate PowerPoint. 
And I avoided it. I I definitely avoided PowerPoint as long as I could. I I did them all in, in I in tried design. for a long time. Yeah. And then it eventually got I gave to be up. like everybody was making their own slides <clears> in PowerPoint and expecting me to put them together. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay. Yeah. Um, but no, I I I feel a similar way in that whenever I started on Masters. Because I also did some punching. Yeah. Um. For me, I think it was different in that it was a whole new piece for me. I fucking hate math. I hate math. Oh, so you had fun like, in your like accounting and finance classes? Oh. <laughs> no, no, I think. <laughs> funny story. Um, we found out I think like first semester or second year that we did not need to take finance. They, they removed it from the, the requirement no. or the master's requirements. They removed it, and I had already taken it. It was awful. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so awful. And there were times, too, where, because Josh is also a designer, he's a graphic designer, so he has very much that same sort of creative mentality no double critiques and all that stuff. So we share that mindset, but it was very much the same of where can I help you? What can I do? You know, is there any way? And I'm like, no. There's literally, There's like, literally nothing it, you can it, do. It's definitely not like, oh, you're too stupid for this. Not at all. It's just that it's, it's like, it's just completely different from what we used to do. It's a, it's, 180. Just okay. throw everything away that you've learned <laughs> and start all over again. And I remember taking these classes with people who had degrees in industrial in, uh, in supply chain management and thinking like, how the fuck am I gonna even get good grades in this? Like, that's all I really ever cared oh, about. Literally right? people who had already taken statistics. Like, just baseline statistics. I had never taken statistics in my life. I still haven't. Right. And I still made it through the major or the masters, um, and I was surrounded by finance majors. Yeah, I was business, other uh, like business majors, business any anything marketing, you know, stuff like that. And everyone, I remember in one class, one of the girls that was in there was like, "I'm a doctor." I was like, "What the fuck? What what is happening?" Like. I'm going to school with these people who are way older than I am. This is my third master's. Right. This is my third master's and I'm just collecting them all, Pokemon. And it's like, okay, I guess I'm just gonna, you know, just diddle daddle over here. And then you you find what you're good at, right? So like for me it was just whatever the professor was saying, I was the one that was like, look, I don't I don't understand what's happening. I need I need some clarification. And then everyone, you just hear, like, a gasp of, like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked the question, and I'm like, look, I'm not scared to look stupid, because I really don't know what's happening, what's going on. I've only taken one class before, you know, and, like, I'm sorry. You guys accepted me. Y'all should have known what you were getting into. Hashtag, I'm paying, too. Right. Yeah, you know, so, it, you know. Using all of the, I, I felt like I feel like my professors hated me because I was in their office like all the time, just like look, I'm, and 
they're like, this isn't even going to be on the test. I'm like, this is not the point. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I, I need to know how to do it. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't care if it's not on the exam. I want to be able to do it if it ever comes up. Or, you know, I just, I don't understand any of it. Help, please. And, I mean, yeah, like, like you said, you get through it. I, I finished it and I was really happy about it. And I remember when I graduated from undergrad, I cried. I, like, I really, like, I went and I looked for my mom and my dad and I found my mom first and I hugged her and I just started crying. I was like, I'm so glad that that's over. And I never have to do that ever again. And then I went right back in. And then when I graduated with my master's, I didn't cry. I finished it and I was like, I feel like an absolute badass. Now I got to go to work because I graduated on a Monday. I didn't even go to graduation. I literally, like, they asked me if I wanted to go. I was like, mm, it's in December, probably not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have finals to deal with. I have I have a bunch of students that I have to make sure don't really burn my building down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just... Your parents will tell you, like, you know, go to college, get a degree in something that you like. And what is it? It's like you if you work in something that you like to have every day in your life or whatever. Because it's all fucking work. Okay? Like, it doesn't matter. You you do something that you like and you start making money and suddenly it's a job. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a job. <laughs> like, right now, we're ceramicists and we go to work. You feel like it's just a job? No, I feel like it's 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 fun. What's turned into a job is... The forty-five minute drive there, <laughs> or like I like I make cake toppers on the side. That feels like a job. It used to be fun, and now it's like Jesus Christ. You want how many? Two hundred? By when? Oh, jeez. I don't have time for that. Yeah, I make them for all the bakeries. But yeah, you just when you start your own business. I don't want to make the Instagram post, but I have to because Aaron won't download Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's true for having a podcast too, because I've realized that in order to actually get people to listen to it, I am made to Twitter, yeah. posting on Twitter every day, multiple times, posting on Instagram every day, multiple times, making sure. I have clips edited that I can insert into videos and and making sure I have promos that I can send out the podcast, making sure I'm on other podcasts. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's the biggest thing. And luckily, the the podcast community on Twitter is very supportive, surprisingly. Um, But it's it's very much like, if you want to be known, if you want people to start listening, yeah, have them on your podcast, and that's why we do markets. It's like it gets your name out there and whatever. Even though, like on Sunday, we almost had like a heat stroke. Oh my god! <laughs> it was so hot. It was so, it was so hot at like three. We had to stay there till five. At like three o'clock, I was really ready to just quit. I was like, I'm. We can't even go inside to like cool off. There's no AC. So it's like, I. What do I do? I'm gonna walk. 
to a niece's house, it's like around the corner, I'm gonna go sleep on her floor in a nice cold tile. What I what did I take away from um, two two important things. One is very angry. This is not good advice. Don't <laughs> 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 no, no you like take this and be like, oh yeah, this reaffirms my book. My position on procrastination has been galvanized since high school through college. That when I procrastinate, somehow I perform so much better in the last final hour. And whatever I, it is, I can attest to that. You it, do. It's like a weird addiction too, because you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plan on this next thing, whatever project I'm gonna do, whatever. I'm gonna plan and just do it, you know, in increments. I never do that, and then it turns out better when I'm pulling my hair out. And just yeah. suffering. Then there's an article on that. Does it say like I die early and have cancer too? Uh, yeah. Okay. But <laughs> specifically, that's a given though. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, all of the inhaled fumes from die of pneumonia dinner. from MDF. Yeah. MDF dust. Dust. Um. The, the it was specifically about creatives and. Uh, a lot of times creatives procrastinate and for whatever reason they just perform better and they were attributing it to the sort of subconscious thinking about it because instead of spending you know months months weeks days on dwelling on something you are subconsciously thinking about it constantly in the back of your head oh. and so whenever you actually do do it You've already thought about all of the bad stuff and already worked through it subconsciously, so you're just like, okay, this, 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 and this, and you just like plow through it. So all my like just screwing around—that's really work. That's that's, nice. that's billable hours right there. <laughs> <laughs> Treat yourself. <laughs> Treat yourself. That's how I work. All right. I'm gonna go get a haircut. I'm gonna go to the gym. Yeah. I, I know it's it's got to be unhealthy because it creates like a bad work life ratio. Yes, that environment. Anyway, yeah, I learned in my undergrad definitely, and then in my, my masters, I don't even know. There's no way that I could ever survive on that little sleep again. It's just I'm incapable of it. It really hurt. Yeah. I'm confused. Yeah. That unhealthy, toxic behavior. But I've also observed, I mean, as faculty too, this reaffirms my belief in this being faculty is that we, we, take, we take our work, and definitely our school, like we learn to do this in school. And I think industrial design, we all believe, like, we're going to save the world. Like, something great is going to happen that, you know, plastic bullshit we're going to run. But we take it way too seriously. And we either don't learn enough to take it too seriously yeah. and try and pretend like we're in the real world for too long without really taking the risks. Or or we just, you know, design the exact same things over and over again. And we have this like bad cycle of just crafting just because we're too afraid to just try something new. Yeah. And as faculty I'm super energized when students do weird shit. Like when they just when they just they make an attempt and they fail spectacularly, like they're learning something and that's exciting and I'm seeing something new and that, that part's 
but when I see students not taking it way too seriously, I think that they're going to just do better professionally because they're growing, they're learning. And we like we don't even we, we don't often say this, but like academia is the place where we can celebrate failure as oh, a yeah. success. And, I mean, in the design disciplines, we celebrate just the successes and we forget about how the failures are learning from us. Yeah, you know, I, that's it's such a failing of our discipline. I mean, altogether. I think as as being in the position that I'm in, especially like getting to work with students of both architecture and industrial design and interior architecture, and being able to tell them because for whatever reason they always come. You're the bartender. I am. I am. They they come to me talking about the reviews and uh, you know stressing about bad ones. And it's like I said before, it's very much like don't stress. Take it for what it was. It was a review. They have more knowledge in the field than you do. That doesn't mean you have to take every single critique as the weight of the world. Yeah. Take what they said and suit it to your design language. You are figuring out what your design language is. You're making it fit the world that we live in. You're building that for yourself. You're learning how to design. You're gonna fail. You are going to have bad critiques. Hell, I know that some of my favorite projects that I did some moments that I have my worst critiques on. Yeah, me too. Is like uh, my two by four chair, which I, I loved my two by four chair because I took a risk. I ended up, I was the first student in our class to use the CNC. I made a frame and I cut a bunch of veneer out of a piece of two by four, which for that project is the stupidest thing <laughs> you could possibly do, possibly do with your two by four. Um, so I ended up with probably half as much 2 by 4 yeah. as all of my other classmates. I made, the first time I made it, it was an ugly-ass cantilever chair. Second time I made it, it turned out so much better. It was this beautiful, sleek shape. It did not work for shit because it was made out of one 2 by 4 But it was beautiful. And I can, I can look back and say... You know, it may not have worked, and there were things that I could do in the world to make it work. I could have had steel structure on the inside to, you know, make it stronger. I could have done all this and that, but it was beautiful. And I can be proud of it being beautiful. I can be proud of designing something that I know was aesthetically there. It was aesthetically amazing. And I took that risk. And I know that because one of the professors uh, I was always super afraid of because he was the one who dealt most with sketching and that was where I lacked the most. And whenever I did that, that was one of the first projects that semester and I was so afraid of them up until I finished that project and I had won their respect with that project just because I had tried myself and I had taken risks and done something very much different than any of my other classmates. Yeah, no, it makes it makes a huge difference. I mean, I'm on the other side now doing the grading, 
Yeah. And I always, it's so redeeming for the students. It's like maybe your your chair doesn't survive its weight test or whatever. But you learned a new process. Like that toolkit comes in, you know, handy later. And it's it's I don't know it's, it's powerful. I had a couple of conversations with with a couple of my students about 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 that specific project because <laughs> that was a recent one too, right? Yeah, yeah. They they did like a. Actually, I went to that review, but they only they did schools. Yeah, they did they they did like step schools, um, and it it was a two by four project, but they I. As much as it's the trope of like, oh, y'all had it easy, they kind of did because it was two by four by volume. So right, not by they, could, they could use the volume of a two by four to completion. So any waste, they could just replace with another two by four. I um, told one of the students in that critique that the, the brief doesn't specify, because they could use the secondary material. Yeah. The brief doesn't specify the ratio of secondary material to the two by four. Could theoretically use a shit ton of oh, yeah. whatever you know. It's like when the students break the rules, or bend the rules, you know. That's they, cool. They really, yeah, yeah they produce something really exciting. That one student who made the that chair out of literal garbage, like it was it was burlap, and it just turned out like shit. <laughs> <laughs> literally, the chair looked like absolute garbage. That was a. A junior project. Yeah. That was my student. Yeah. 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 And it was an amazing chair. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say the name of the student, but I remember the chair vividly because I really like it. Yeah. I remember having this like clandestine meeting with him prior to the review. The day of the review, he's like cleaning up his board. He's got his chair out and I like walk over and I was like, you got to present this. It's like, this is one of the series. This is like this is mutated stepchild, whatever. Yeah. There's the beautiful carbon fiber one you can have, but you could you could have rendered those and have that series, and you have this artistic additional that looks ghastly, like melted in like toxic waste. <laughs> it crap. Like a piece of shit. But it was so cool. <laughs> it was so cool for that reason, and it was just super unfinished, and it could have been this very vogue, like avant garde. Yeah. And I mean, he did. He, it it very much gave it. Gave vibes of the garbage bag chair, the where they taken a bunch of garbage bags yeah. and melted them or, and turned it into basically this black tar chair, which is grotesque. Yeah, but at the same time, it's purposeful. Yeah, have like this, it's purposeful. It's beautiful in in its own way. Um, what would you say is your I don't know. <laughs> my favorite one was my thesis. I had so much fun with my thesis. Remind me what you did for your thesis. I did. It's very forgettable. Um, it was, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's okay. I'm sorry. It was a game to teach uh, Spanish and English and tenses. And I remember the only person that liked, there was only one professor that liked that project. And it was all I knew. Like I just needed one. I just needed that one professor to tell me that it was a good idea, because it was everyone else was doing like these crazy, complicated things. It's like uh, I'm stressed. 
about nothing. I'm just, I remember at the end of the project, I was done, you know, pretty early. Because I, I pretty much had everything ready, and I was always kind of like that. And I remember uh, one of our classmates was like, yeah, of course you're done. You just have to print it out. Like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you 3D printed your shit. And you didn't even finish it. Like, you just 3D printed it. And then that's it. I'm like, whatever, man. I made a shoe. So. You did make a shoe. Shoes are are hard. hard. Yeah. Shoes are so hard. We made shoes our our sophomore year. Yeah. And Aaron's was so nice. Mine was like, shit. That shoe? That shoe is the only project that my dad hasn't done. No, he doesn't. He uh-huh. has the backpack too. He does. Yeah, and he has the sticks. That backpack was bad. He's got all of your projects. He's got the sticks. He's got the backpack. He's got the shoe. He's got the other uh, polystyrene that that stupid presentation you did about the fucking circles and the monks or whatever the hell you said <laughs> in your travels to Peru bullshit. No, that was a stick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember. I remember uh, two classmates of mine and I used to make so much fun of you. We were like, oh, here's fucking those again. Stupid ass travels in Peru. Remember what I said about not taking it too seriously? I learned later. Yeah, <laughs> much later. No, 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 that no. one time and then they like audibly stopped. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron would start <laughs> to talk. Aaron would start to talk because he would do this like voice when he presents. And we were just be I was like projecting. No, he was doing his customer service voice. <laughs> and then well now I know because we're married. But he was doing his customer service voice, which we all do. There's nothing oh, yeah. there's no shame. We all do it when we present our shit to people we don't know. Oh yeah. And I remember after that presentation with the sticks that I that I literally watched you make with your feet on top of a table the day before. Talk about procrastinating. It was a fantastic project. That's why I hate it so much. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was really gorgeous. Mine looked like absolute trash. Mine actually looked like I just threw a bunch of sticks together and put them together with hot glue. But, which is exactly what I did. But I remember after that presentation, the next presentation was the circles. It was the styrene. And at the time, the shop wasn't open. Was that? That was first year. Yeah, first year. Oh, that show was that was the lines, planes. No, cetera. no. After that, when we were in, because the first semester that you do in the fall. No, not line square rectangle. We we had the similar project, so it was like you had to create something with lines. You had to create something with planes. You had to create something with surfaces. You had much more explanation than we did. Ours was take this stick and make something out of it, and we were like, it's "I." It's gonna hold this amount of weight. Yeah, it has yeah. to hold a jug of water. Like, there, there's a yeah, rationale the, the behind doing that for early yeah. like, fundamentals no. because you're you're giving like physical constraints, like prescribing a function. It's just holding up weight, and you're yeah. prescribing the material, and then this is your box. You can break it if you want. That's yeah. We were we were the guinea pigs to what you guys ended up doing. But then you were the guinea pigs for what the other people were, like, people underneath you were doing, and so on and so forth. And then they just kind of gave up on it. Yeah. <laughs> did, a, did a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. yeah. A lot of cooler things. Broke that mold. 
I think that process is pretty smart. That's like a bastardization of the Bauhaus curriculum. Yeah. The Holy Aggies curriculum on plasticity. Well, after that presentation, we just made fun of you every single time. And as soon as you start talking, what do you, you mean after? Talking. You made fun of me during my presentation. Yeah. We would like giggle and like. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked. Yeah. Okay, but listen, you always do, everybody does these stupid things yeah. for your presentation. Like, you are nervous, yeah. or whatever. It's like you're too loud. Lots of people do that. Or you're too quiet. That happens yeah. sometimes too. You I cry. Your, you, name your, <laughs> you name your project just like cut, but like in Spanish. Cut in Spanish. Or in Italian. Or yeah. Whatever. The, a, yeah. a language you don't know. You don't yeah. know. And then, yeah. Everybody Completely does that. You, know, you pick a typeface, and then and then the title of your project is like thirty percent of your presentation. Yeah, we all make those those. Mistakes. I remember, I remember uh, an upperclassman saying that my boards were nice, and it made me feel really good. I think I know the upperclassman talking about. Yeah, because the same one told me your boards were shit, was shit. and it made me feel great. And all I thought was like, yeah, but that's not industrial design. I don't care. About yeah, uh huh. That was that was always the thing. It was like, but that's not even what I'm going to school for. So like, it doesn't even matter. It's like, yeah, typical Aaron, this stupid bullshit about how he's learning about monks and shit, whatever. In Peru. In Peru. Those are two different projects. Uh, yeah, they were two different projects. That project, I also watched you make on top of a table. Without a shirt on. I think you were drunk. <laughs> and it was the first time that I knew what chest hair looked like on a dude. Oh, I mean, well. not that I've seen chest hair on a woman. But I'm saying, like, I've never really seen chest Still hair in real life. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, I didn't know he was so hairy. Interesting. And then I saw your hobbit feet. And I was like, I gotta go. I think I went to mass that day. <laughs> I gotta go fast <laughs> to braid the hair away. Yeah. No, I went to I went to church with Micah. I that night. remember doing that first project because I think we had similar, if not the same, first projects. Yeah, they were, it was very close, but we didn't get any of the planes or anything. Like we, the, for example, the the styrene project that you probably also did. Yeah, we had to base it on a song. Yeah, we did too. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a light project we had to base it on. So. Oh, we didn't have the light oh. part. Okay, it was so just it a was thing. harder for us. Yeah. We, we literally had to do, we had to make a light. Yeah. And we had to base it on a song and use styrene, which I don't, styrene is the worst plastic. It's literally the worst plastic to use. Yeah, that Because you can't well laser cut it worth shit. No. And so you end up having to make everything by hand, hand. Uh -huh. which is also awful. It's just, I had like 30 sheets of styrene that all had to be cut and it ended up looking like a giant fucking snail. Unless the only thing... <laughs> it was so stupid. Unless the so only stupid. thing that you're good at as an industrial designer is vacuum plumbing, which is the only thing that I was good at, was vacuum plumbing. We, like the vacuum form piece that we, that we made for that project, we still use. Yeah, we I use it every day. Huh? We can vacuum form for that project. Because the vacuum form was broken. That was, you're talking about a different, that was in, we, we didn't do oh, the vacuum Oh, we did that until, for materials and methods with, right. with Adam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, so we couldn't do vacuum form. It was just 
planes. Yeah. Planes, which was stupid. Um, but the line project that we had to do was based on planes. We had to find a plane. Oh, yeah. I remember, was it Haley who did that, like, cave? Oh, the crevice? The crevice? Yeah. That thing was badass. Yes, I love that. Um, but my stick project, I literally spent so many hours, probably like 10 or 15 hours, over boiling hot water, boiling sticks. Yeah, trying to get them to bend. <laughs> boiling, boiling dowels, getting them to bend. I would get one to bend and then glue it to a frame. Get one to bend, glue it to a frame. And they were all like randomized, glued to this frame. So I basically created this wooden goblet that I was supposed to put a gallon of water on. And come the final review, I'm putting the gallon of water on it flat, and I just hear it go, and I pick up the gallon of water, and I'm like, okay, make this, like, instantly, right now. I flip it over, put it upside down into the goblet. Perfect. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. And the professor goes, you didn't test this, did you? I'm like, nope. If he's like, hmm, good job. <laughs> Always, always like, oh, you gotta test, you gotta <coughs> iterate, you gotta do multiple versions. Like, I have a week. You gave me do, four you know, days. What are you gonna do? And yeah. I've got a math test in my algebra <laughs> class. I've got a math test. My favorite project was in my master's. Definitely not in my undergrad. But it wasn't, and not my thesis. I mean, I like my thesis, but. Your thesis was pretty cool. The Nikki was fun. That's that's my favorite project. Yeah, I did. I with a with another faculty member, we wrote this. <laughs> we wrote this plugin for SolidWorks to algorithmically design chairs based on semantic data from Watson, which is like AI from IBM. I remember drawing chairs for that. Cups. You drew cups. But you drew cups for my oh. thesis. It wasn't, or no, oh, no. I, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't cups or chairs. We had to draw, it was, I think it was for each pieces though. It was like a square and you had to put dots or. Oh yeah. But see, that was, that was out. for my thesis. Yeah. 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 But that like, actually my thesis was, ended up being motivated by Nikki with this program. Yeah. Because I was just interested in exploring like how precedent influences our our you know design process this is his favorite project i haven't had a different because because i was working on you doing the wrong stuff for it but anyway nikki nikki would just automatically design chairs but they were horrible chairs they were, they really were just bad. the stupidest looking like no, I mean, ergonomics weren't involved at all. It was like seven different semantic data points, like anger and happiness and sadness and fear, you know, whatever. Yeah. And we could, we could like use text data to drop into Watson that would categorize and map the values for the semantic data from the text. And then those values would get attached to these sliders that influenced just an Excel spreadsheet, like, 40-something different dimensions that change the topology of a seat back and then the seat pan of 
what's the designer's name? David Rowland's 40 by 4 by 40 chair, which is the most famous, like, contract chair ever. Best selling contract chair. And we make these just ghastly, like, taffy looking whatever. And we did, like, hundreds of them, and I picked, like, that yeah. might might have been possibly viable shares we made in every other yeah. was. Yeah. Are you proud of No. No, no, no. I, that was the other process that was super cool about it. Was we milled them on the CNC out of blocks of particle board, but they had there's they were symmetric if you bisected them, but they had different topology on the bottom and the top. So we had to flip the block over. And then I it was awful. <laughs> so I do like all this milling on one side, flip it over, do all the milling on the other side, cut out the the webbing from the side, sand it down, and then I covered it in fiberglass to keep it thin. This is thin, you know, like yeah. you got yeah. three eighths was maybe the thickest one. So there's fiberglass on top, and then we did Brenda helped me do like leather layup on top of them to some seams. And they still they still look good. They still look good. Wait, yeah. They're in the grad studio right now. Yeah, they still look good, and I remember. While you were doing that project, that was in the fall. Yeah. When you were doing that project, I was in my classes were all at night, so I would like get out of class at nine p.m. and waddle over to the Keyland from Melcher or wherever I was, and then I would, we would just I would just sleep in the office <laughs> until you were done because we would either carpool. <coughs> Because we couldn't afford to buy two parking passes. Yeah. Go to their carpool, or like I would drop you off in the morning and I would go to work. And I would come back. You'd be at school all day. Yeah. Until like super late. And then I remember at one point you were just like, you know what, just go home for that project with Mickey. And that's when you drilled through your hand. Oh my gosh. And I. It wasn't late. It was. You were, no, it was during the day. Yeah, it was. Really it was in the morning. Because one of the students was like, are, are you okay? And you had it, yeah, you had to set up somebody's CNC file. Oh, yeah. And I remember I came in, was it during the day? I don't remember. I came in to switch out passes with you. I think you had driven to school, like early in the morning. Switch out passes with you because I had to go park my car. And there was blood on the floor. And I remember thinking like, okay, Aaron cut himself. He's probably fine because no one's called me. And then, I don't know if it was Zach or one of the girls behind the desk, maybe it was Cynthia. And she was just like, can you help Aaron? And I walk into the CNC room and you just have blood like down your armpit. And this poor girl or guy, I don't remember. Was standing, was, it really? I think it was. was standing there with you and they were like pale as hell because they're like going to pass out from all the blood that's on, you know, visible. And I was like, this is, this is grad school. This yeah, is like, a mop up yeah, peak, peak grad school. Peak I think, grad school. I think we ended up changing the spoil board after that. Really? Did I be on the spoil board? Yeah. yeah. You were on the CNC. I remember using the CNC, but I don't know. It's, you were just delirious. I, I mean, grad school was hard for both of us because you were working and I was working full time too. And then I remember you wouldn't sleep because you'd go to work in the morning and your classes were like sporadically throughout the day. And then you'd have, you'd still have to work the 40 hours of the Keeland. So you would, 
walk back in and then leave. This makes me feel really glad that I existed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you if you weren't working there, I, I mean, because just like even just running the CNC was such a drain. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, like, I mean it still is. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't have anyone that runs the CNC now. No, no, it's just me. I'm the only full time staff member in that. I know, but like you know, <laughs> other people could run it. True, but I only have the two files set up. Yeah, because sometimes I just really don't need to touch those files at all. I have one to trust who can do all that stuff, and then I can just double check everything on it. That's the nature of on campus labs. Shit breaks. Mm. You just have to. We we just bought a piece of equipment today for our studio, and they were like, "Oh, it's got a." You know, lifetime warranty, except for schools. If a school is buying this piece of equipment, they don't get a lifetime. Well, that's the Laguna. The Laguna is dead. It's dead, dead. Really? It's uh, because the rack opinion stopped going up and down, and I can't, I can't fix it because it's set to a specific thing. So I'd have to buy a complete new rack opinion. Wild. Yeah. I, I literally broke. Took out the pinion and tried to get the rack to go back up, and it really? would not go up. Wow, it's so seat. That's yeah. Great. Um, I basically took it apart and it would not go anywhere. Um, so yeah, it is it is beyond my capability to fix it, which I I can fix almost any tool in there. So yeah, that's lots of fun. That's hard. That, like you got the job that you guys had or have. It's like it's nuts. It's a lot. Like it's a lot of physical labor. And I remember I mean like my job wasn't it was hard but it wasn't physical like y'all's was. And like Aaron worked all day. And it just like your experience, my experience sucked, yours sucked more. <laughs> and grass. Yeah. <laughs> I think half of the scars that I have on my body are from working there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, all over my left hand's stupid. Left hand it's always gets smashed. Thumb. I got bar marks on my Oh, hand. from the pavilion thing, right? From the pavilion thing. I, <laughs> I literally put that in my resume just to be like, I, I helped build you. I swear to God, you're going to get something out of this because I was the one that figured out all the angles on all of those legs. Ah, those See how upset I am? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I happen to actually have this in my backpack because I was working on it uh, recently, trying to make a new base for it because uh, the old one was a piece of shit. And it's who? It's just the cutest little piece of shit. I love it. Because it's like, because uh, I always, I mean, even going into ID from the very beginning, I wanted to do children's products. We were just talking about, like, I remember the first, the first semester of industrial design, which was in the spring. We were talking, uh, uh, one of the professors, our professor for that semester was like, 
going around and asking everybody what they wanted to do. Like, what's your dream, you know, whatever. People are like, automotive or whatever. Yeah. And I remember Aaron's and mine were the same. We were home goods. And then you knew we were fancy people. No. That was the moment. No. You like chairs and cutting boards too? Wow. Ew. Not at all. But that's what we do now. It's like I always wanted to do children's products. And so when I had the opportunity to design something for kids, I jumped at it and ended up designing Hoot. It's just a little sleep thing. Basically, just a stuffed animal that kids can sleep with. Like, sleep with whenever they're not at home, whenever they are at home. But the whole point was that, like, it was for building sleep routine. So any time that you were at home, Hoot would go into its little nest and play with all these and light up. And uh, your parents would be like, oh, well, Hoot's in its nest, you should be in yours. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. The sewing, like, looks pretty professional. Um, thanks, my mom did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, I did it, but she was very much supervising. In your fingernail, it's the worst. I am far more terrified of sewing machines than I am of anything like that. Well, it's weird to work so closely to a reciprocating needle, you know? Your fingers are like a quarter inch apart. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm afraid of all of the machines I'm feeling. Um, But yeah, I... I made this and I remember showing it to my niece, who was probably three at the time. And uh, she kept asking me after that if I was going to bring it so she oh. could play with it. That's yeah. yeah, mine was similar actually. My favorite one was belly. belly. It was like a self soothing tool. It's like a big stuffed animal thing that had like a heart rate monitor in it that didn't work. I remember during the presentation, it was a pro- it was a group a team project. It was me and Aaron Hernandez, and um, I remember for the presentation, I I think we were just really bad at soldering. Yeah. And so he had to like fake the heartbeat because the heart is. I mean, you get cheap shit whenever get there but he had to like fake the heartbeat so that the light would start and then it it would like the light was just like a breathing pulse so it would help you inhale and exhale and you would basically just like put your head in between its two ears and you would hold it and it had little pockets you could put your hands in where the heart rate monitor was and then you would just watch the belly uh, light up in the breathing pattern and you would follow it and then it would eventually turn on. This this have like lights. It still does have lights on the inside. Yeah. Whenever I change the base, I can pull the LEDs out. Um, but <laughs> I was uh, foolish in buying red LEDs. Oh. Because red is supposed to be a suit. Yeah, color, yeah, yeah. I should have bought like gold or you know more yellow LEDs. 
because whenever whenever I plugged it into the old base and it lit up, it, it looked really looked, scary. It looked sinister, <laughs> fully like the, sinister, the just owl. because everything would light up except for the eyes. So you just <laughs> you just see this entire thing light up except these black pits in the center <laughs> where the eyes would be, and um. Luckily, I'm pretty good at Photoshop, so <laughs> I can Photoshop it to look pretty, pretty nice. Uh, but yeah, it was a bit of an oversight. <laughs> <laughs> you should be in bed. <laughs> Go to your nest. Go to your nest now. Yeah. <laughs> um, what inspired you to study design? The world is a deeply ugly place. <laughs> it's just such an ugly, ugly place. We're still in that owl mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know what industrial design was. The website was so shit. It was like, you would go look it up and it just showed you like a picture of a boat. I think at the time it was like a yacht or something that somebody designed like 15 years ago. I, I knew that I was okay at math, I didn't want to be an engineer, and I knew that I liked to be artistic in some way. When I applied to the architecture school, I literally actually thought I was applying to be an architect. <laughs> but I was not. I was applying to be an industrial designer. So I was, when I kind of found out what it was, I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. This is what I want to do. This is perfect. This is exactly what I was talking to my mom about that one time that we went to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and then I started it. And then second year, and I was like, this is terrible. I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore, but it's too late. I can't back out. I can't do it. Fuck, I'm doing it. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I knew people made things, and surely there was someone who made decisions on the shape of objects and their function and whatever, but I don't know. It never occurred to me. Whenever I had proper orientation and realized very much that engineering was not what I wanted to do, it didn't turn out quickly what I did want to do. Um, and so I had gone to the career service office and was talking to them, and they're like, "Okay, so what do you want to do? What what is something that you'd be interested in?" And I was like, "Oh, no, I don't want to make children's toys." Like, Then look at children's design, toy designers, and see what they did. And every single one was the best choice. Yeah. And it just so happened that U of H is the only college in Texas that actually has a master's of science in industrial design. Yeah, it's um, it's so weird that our 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 way towards industrial design is like parallels. Right. So close. Because like I didn't know what industrial design was. I was going to school for engineering. Sort of for the first week <laughs> before I had damage engineering. And my mom's partner at the time was like, because I was complaining about it. Yeah. She was like, it's like, you make stuff all the time. I made furniture with my brother, built a house with my dad. We did, I mean, I was making things yeah, all the time. That's what, you know, probably my dad was just about every project. And he's like, you know, you should look at it. 
investors. And she did her own research, found industrial design, just happened to be UH, the only one in Texas, like you said. And then, you know, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I had gotten into a lot of schools when I had applied. Not to like brag. Well, I was a couple too, but jeez. (laughs) (laughs) I applied for different things at different schools because I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly. But I knew that I liked working with my hands, and I knew that I liked the like creative things like painting and stuff like that. Um, and I remember getting into two different universities, or three. I got into a few, but two of them that I really wanted to go to, and um, then I got my acceptance letter into the architecture school for industrial design. Again, I didn't really know what it was until I talked to one of my dad's friend's daughters who was in the program. She was doing interior architecture though. But she knew about what industrial design was because we all go to school together. It's the same school. We all eventually learn about what we're doing. And I remember her saying something along the lines of like, oh my God, that's what you want to do? Fuck, good luck. And now I know what she's talking about. Like, I, like I really get it. <laughs> like, I resonate with that <laughs> a lot. But, um, yeah, it was like, I liked working with my hands. I liked the creative stuff. And I wanted to make things. I don't necessarily feel... I didn't feel what you were talking about before, Aaron, where you were like, oh, I feel like I'm going to change the world. No, I just felt like as long as I can make somebody happy, like that's all good. That's like the Pisces in me. It's like people pleaser. But that's how I ended up in industrial design. Not really I didn't grow up building things. I didn't know that I wanted to be a full designer. It's just this is kinda of what I like to do. Okay. I think I think as far as that like change the world mentality. I know there are many, many people who have that. I don't think I ever did. I think for me, it was always, I just want to see my shit somewhere. I don't really care where. Honestly, my my goal was like Target. The moment, <laughs> the moment, the moment I oh, see no. something I made in Target. Like, You've made it. Yeah, That's I'm like, good. I, arrived. I'm I, feel, good. I do feel a sense of pride when I see my friends' things at stores. Like, yeah. when I see Selena's stuff at, like, Home Depot, or I see Jesus' stuff at, like, any sporting goods store. Right. I I do feel like, man, like, you fucking did it. Like, this is what you wanted to do, and you fucking nailed it. This is great, and I'm, like, I'm not going to buy it because, you know, like, <laughs> i got to save up for school now, but, like, this is, I, I just, every time I see stuff that my friends have made, that are either in stores or just that they've posted online or like that they're doing a Kickstarter or that they're, you know, whatever. Or like they completely just didn't do industrial design at all and now they're like professional bakers or whatever. Right. Yeah. Bakers. Yeah, you know, I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Fucking do it. Like, I mean, why the fuck not? Industrial design. Give that shit, you David. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've seen his candles. There, I have like, two of them. They're fucking really? amazing. I kind of want to buy one. Yes. You should. Yeah. They're really nice. 
Yeah, I mean, you get you get this broad toolkit. Yeah. Yeah. Make candles, ceramics, whatever, you know, like, yeah. you, you use those creative skills in a variety of ways. It's not the traditional. It's it's not the traditional way, way, but, you know, I could have paid a lot less to learn to make a pot. You know, like, if, in the end, it hurts a little bit because it's like, it was, not everyone is as lucky as I was or as you were or as you were to go to, go to college and, like, do the damn thing pay for it or still pay for it as some of us are you know with loans and shit but it's like like i mean aaron and i have discussed this a lot like we don't really feel like if we had children we would force them to go to college we're like fucking go to trade school like i was so close to not going to college yeah i mean i was leaning towards just not going to college and now you're a professor i know <laughs> I think that is the interesting thing, though, because of my family, I mean, both my parents went to college, they're both accountants of a sort, um, and so for me, it was never really an option, it was never really talked about. Of, of not going? Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm the first one in my family to go to college. I'm the first one in my family to get a master's. Same. Um, but... As far as not going to college, that was just never really, it was never really thought about or talked about. Yeah, I feel like I, I thought that it was just expected, mm. you know, like, I, my parents didn't go to college. Yeah. And, you know, my, my parents have very different upbringings from most parents, but, um, you know, they've, they've. They're so successful, and it, you know, it, seeing seeing people who can do that kind of stuff makes me so proud. I remember I used to be so negative about things like that, like, because you're jealous or, you know, whatever. Right. It's like, it's not fair. It's like, they, my parents worked so fucking hard. They worked so hard for all of the things that they have, and they had to work even harder than most people because they didn't have the the schooling or whatever it is, and maybe not having that is a good thing, you know, because you come in with a different mindset. I feel like that's a lot of them, the realization for millennials, at least, like, either during or after college, is the realization that, like, it is, as, as much as it was kind of thrust upon a lot of us, it's not the end-all, be-all. Yeah. Heck, whenever, whenever we were in higher high school it was like oh you go to college get your bachelor's you get, get a job, job. and yeah. then by the time we actually finished our bachelor's it's like oh jk you need to get a master's to get a job yeah and so it kept sort of being this unending race of like what actually do i need to get a job and while, while, you know, some of our parents or et cetera. I mean, my dad got an accounting degree and now he owns a con company. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, like as far, as far as, as far as those necessarily being related, I'm sure, you know, my dad's accounting degree does play some role in, in the success of his business, but yeah, could he have done it without it? Probably. Probably. I mean, 
you could do a lot without college degree and yeah. whatever specific thing. I mean, the you're you're so right that the like there's this super obscure pipeline from high school to higher education because it is a, it's fundamentally a business. There's so much money. Oh yeah, tied up in higher education. I don't think that makes it like wrong or has less value to go to college, but if it it's inappropriately treated, most commonly as then you'll take it. Yeah. And yeah. If it's treated that way and you don't succeed, it's it's a huge waste of money. But if yeah. it's treated as like a place where you can learn and grow and discover things about yourself and the world and whatever, then it's much more meaningful. But in the States you don't get to do that. Like you have you have to treat it as the go ticket. Yeah. yeah. Because of how much money is tied up in it. But if you were going to school in the Netherlands where it's free, you know, or whatever, then it's, it's a different it's a different environment. I think there's something I've realized just from piggybacking off of that though, is that at the end of the day, at least from for my parents in in some regard, um, it's still treated as the meal ticket, but not necessarily the ticket to the meal that you were getting. So I I finished my degree and I haven't had a job long enough before I started working back on campus. And my mom was sending me job applications for flight attendants. Like literally for anything. For anything. Yeah. And and that was the thing too. She would she would send me job applications to work for her company. I feel like your your mom did the same thing, right? Like she would send you applications for like things she thought industrial design was. Well, not even. And and that's the thing too was it wasn't even industrial design related. Yeah, yeah, that's what we were talking. It was literally just like it was whatever job was available. It's like okay, you have a degree now, just get a job. Don't get the job. Don't get. Get a job. Don't get just any anything. job that's related. Just get a job. Yeah. And that always sort of, I think, uh, sort of added a bit of pain to, to, you know, going through my bachelor's and going through my my master's because now she's sending me a bunch of supply chain jobs or still jobs in accounting. All this stuff, and I'm just like, I I understand what you're doing. I understand that you want to be successful. You want to have these jobs that you know I will make comfortable money on. But it's not what I want to do. It's not what I went to school for. I I didn't go to get my master's to work in supply chain. I went to get my master's so whenever I do own my own business in the future, I know what I'm doing. The business savvy behind it to be able to run my business without running it into the ground, without letting other people run it into the ground. Yeah, it it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I have the job that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Because it's I started going to therapy, and I remember talking about how it's like it's just a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure to be like my parents, you know, to be really successful. Mm-hmm. And, like, I went to college, and, like, I did all of this stuff, and I, I 
feel like people think that I need to be even more successful than their parents. It's like, honestly, everybody's kind of involved in their own shit and they don't really care about what you do or what you don't do. But I remember telling her, like, I, I don't feel like I can go get a job because I'm going to have to quit. And, and do the job that I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. And she was like, well, have you given yourself the option to not do it? And I'm like, no, because it's not an option. And she's like, well, are your parents making you do it? I'm like, no. She's like, okay, then, then why, are you, why are you forcing this on yourself? I was like, because that's what I want to do. Yeah. And she's like, then fucking do it. You know, it's like, you, it took me such a long time to just realize, like, it, what, what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life is what my parents have done for their lives. And they're, you know, my dad doesn't want to do it anymore, or he just, you know, wants to be a professional rancher for the rest of his life. Like, hell yeah. He fucking deserves it. He deserves to go to his ranch and, and do whatever the hell he wants. And... He's worked so hard, and you know, as as much as I wanted to tell myself that I that I didn't want to do what he does, it's what I'm going to be doing. Not because I feel like I have to or like there's some obligation, but because it's what I want to do. It's like I don't want anybody else to do it. I want to be the one to do it because right. it's 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 ours. It's like family. It's it's our thing, and. It's nice. It feels good. But there's still that, like, you know, kind of nagging feeling. And I re- my, my therapist made me make, like, a, a pros and cons list about doing, doing the job in particular. And I remember growing up and my dad always telling me, like, you, you know, you need to try really hard. You need to be your absolute best because people just want to see you fail. Always. And if, if you fail, you know, people are just going to laugh at you and whatever. And it's true. You know, there are some people out there who may not have a lot in their lives and they just prey on other people and try to make them feel bad. Which sucks. Like, sorry that you feel like you have to do that to make yourself feel bad. But there are also a lot of people in your life that want to see you succeed. A lot of people that want to help you succeed and are not malicious and really don't care about what other people think. They just want you to have what you can, what you want to have. And I feel like I have a really good team that can help me do whatever I want with the business that I'm managing. That makes me feel good. But I went to school for all of this stuff and I'm going back again because I feel... Like you said, like one day when I run my own business, I want to be able to look at something and know what's happening. I don't want someone to tell me what's going on and it may not be right, right you know? So it's like they they ask you when you're applying uh, to school, they're like, well, why do you want to get an MBA? It's like, because I fucking need it. Right. <laughs> like, like it, it's not like a, for me at least, it's not, the next step to getting a huge pay raise. You know, I keep getting these ads about like, what's the, what's the return ROI on an MBA and whatever. And it's like, that's not the point. That string of words disgusts me. 
<laughs> I literally God, got that email. I hate the acronyms. I got that email today. Oh, it's, yeah, it's all stupid. it's all over the place. Yeah, and it's like I don't, I don't care. Like, I'm not getting a master's because my boss is paying for it. I mean, although my boss is paying for it, but my my boss isn't paying for my MBA so that I can get a return on my investment for a master's that I went to school for, so that I can make. 10 times more money than I make right now. It's like the money that I make right now is the money that I'm going to be making for the rest of my life. And I'm cool with that. I think, I think the most sort of messed up part about all of that is sort of the, the expectation. The expectation that was set up for us as kids and for, you know, future generations and things like that you go to college, you get these degrees, you end up successful. When, in all actuality, that's bullshit. That is absolutely bullshit. You end up successful if you have the connections in the industry that you're going to to perform in. You have um, an insane amount of luck. Um, You have this, that, and the other. Otherwise, you just kind of end up being. Yeah. But it, it can't all be bullshit. There has to be some magic. You know, something to keep us going. I don't know. Like, it worked for somebody. Where the fuck did this myth come from? <laughs> I think some of it comes from the now Is it the sort propaganda? Of... Big college? Right. <laughs> Big education. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think some of the actual success that comes from it is the success that you find in yourself of this is what I'm doing and this is what I want to do. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm not necessarily doing something that's going to make me a huge success or make me a lot of money or, you know, I'm not going to be a millionaire. Yeah. I'm not going to be a billionaire whatever. No, you got to manifest now. But I am I am going to enjoy what I do for as long as I do it. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's the actual like success. That is when you know you've you have achieved your goals as a career person. Yeah. I I don't know, but I fucking love bread. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like I really want to come to one of the, the Pedosodias. Yeah. You, the God. I just fucking love it. I love it so much. I love me a good concha. I don't feel like I would ever get sick of the smell of the bakeries when I go to work there. It's just fantastic. Even the fucking bird shit. Like, everything's great. I don't even care. And currently, the position that I'm in, I I absolutely adore. I'm, I'm so lucky to be in the position that I'm in right now where I get to go to work with my husband and as much as it drives me absolutely insane and it's like the pickiest boss on the planet that's true it is what <laughs> i've had you as a boss i know but i wasn't nitpicky with you i don't think uh you like your things done a particular way that is true and that can be considered picky but it's just because you're I feel and, like you never really got on to me just because I tended to do things that particular way. Yes. Yeah, anyways, exactly. <laughs> it's like, 
like it I I get to work with you every day and that's fucking rad. Like I remember everyone breaking up during COVID because they had to be together all the time. And I remember when we had to go back to work and I was like, but this is so great. I just like hearing your voice in the house all the time. And at the time I was just at home always. And it's like, like when, after I finished grad school and I quit my job and I started working for my parents, I was basically working from home because I was writing that big, uh, point of sales thing it took me like 12 months it's awful it's like I, there's so many excuses i i'm starting to learn them and it, i wrote it in 2019 but it's just it's so cool i get to i get to work with my husband every day and right now it's cool because he doesn't teach it sucks when he goes back to work and i get to go to the bakeries and I have the luxury of the free time to feel like I can go back to school and I have a support system that is really, really helpful and the only way to succeed these days. I think that it all worked out. I feel like if I could go back and you know, decide whether or not I was going to go to college. I feel like I would still go to college and I would still go to school. Yeah, I mean, as much as I hated in the industrial design field, not particularly the program, I really enjoyed the program and all of the people that I met. But the the field, just like when we went to ICFF, it was like, because I don't have any appointments with them. You know? I remember we oh, both yeah, had that That was an awful experience. Yeah. Yeah. We, there was one, one of the reasons why I didn't like, I wanted to quit. It was our second year in, uh, undergrad. So when y'all went to New York. Yeah. Now we're all stuck in that one like, <laughs> apartment. Yeah. That wasn't, there was 19 of us? There was 16 of us and we were all staying in like a one, two bedroom apartment or something. But one bath. With one bathroom. We got really close. Yeah, I remember <laughs> the story. Yes. But it wasn't, that wasn't the bad part. The bad part was going to the actual event and meeting real designers. Like, first time, you know, you're meeting like, it's like you, you meet your heroes and you're like, man, this is so fucking cool. And they're like fucking assholes. They're, he, they like, they are just trying to sell their shit and like, I mean, that's the thing. Those people are just trying to make it. ICFF is a massive trade yeah, show. And, and I know that now. But at the time, I was like, these people made it already. I didn't realize we were all trying to find a fucking job when we were there. Right? And so you we went and it was like this weird experience where it's like you think that they're going to be really nice to you because you're a student and they're going to try and help you or like answer your questions and then at the end of the day they really don't give a flying fuck about you which cool like whatever but don't be a jerk and also don't give me your number so that i can meet you in your hotel room later like what the fuck like it's just it was just a bad overall experience and it was really uncomfy and it was i mean Yeah, that's that's the the general experience of being an industrial designer. It's like 
you're in school, you're going to be doing something meaningful with Get Out, and like, you know, or you're going to be designing things you really like, like you'll design cars, or whatever. But in the end, you end up designing meaningless trash. There's so much useless trash in the world that's the responsibility of an industrial designer to make. Yeah. And, and that's, at ICFF, just meaningless overpriced trash. That's what they're making. Yeah, it was and it was a like an eye opening experience because we were just learning. We were just in um, design histories. Remember, we just started taking that class. We just finished it or something. So we had all these like big names in our heads and these big designs that were just like so rad and like cool. Just really optimistic about everything. Then we went to ICFF, and it was like, "Wow, I don't want to do any of this shit. All these people fucking suck." These are the Eameses. Yeah, like the <laughs> like. I mean, I think Ross Lovegrove was there. Yeah, that was the big. Name that was a big name, but he wasn't there. there. Just his stuff was there, but it was cool. Like just going to see all that stuff and like seeing it for real. You know, not in a picture in a book. Or whatever, but like actually seeing it and being able to sit in chairs and like do whatever, and like you know. True, but there's, I mean, there's like a, I don't know, a scary self-awareness about product design, particularly now because sustainability-centered art vocabulary is so much more. Yeah. In like the early conception of products, it's it's weird. I mean, I think that it's very weird for us to be so excited about physicality. Why are we so excited about a cool looking chair? Like, like, why wouldn't we be more excited about, I don't know, our experiences and our communication and like just being humans in a collective society motivated for good in the world? That's not that's not what we do. We're like, wow, look, he put orange on this chair with all these holes on it. You guys, this is groundbreaking. It's just, I don't know, that to me is super obscure. And look at these cool water bottles that look like water. Yeah, and then, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then I, I go and I teach the same thing. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I really you know. Am I the drama? Am I the thing? Am I the thing? So I wanted to finish talking about uh, Studio Luda. Yeah, so Studio Ludo was the um, the child of COVID and boredom. Yeah, now we started it before before COVID, right? Before, right before COVID. Right, like a month, a month before, before COVID. COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we had been married for a while by then. That's what we told people. I think actually married. Yeah, like John actually. Been actually married for like. A year. We've been actually married for a while. And we were we we can't say we started Studio Ludo in two thousand nineteen because we started in twenty twenty in April. Yeah, but the idea was The idea started a long time ago. And it wasn't really the studio. It was just it was just the water pipe. Yeah, it was with the water. It was, it was like, when are we going to have the courage to actually do this? Because it felt so taboo. And like, I remember sending, sending people emails about, because 
in 2020, we were trying to find the boxes. We were, we were finalizing the design. The design took like a year. Like actually making it function. Yeah. Neither one of us like really smoked pot before. Aaron really not a lot. And if my mom's listening to this, I've never smoked weed in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like we had we had the idea. It was just the water pipe, and for tobacco reason, and we. <laughs> We didn't get the LLC until 2020 is when we we did it, like March, I think. And we were like, okay, we have have the LLC, we went and we got a bank account, but that took forever. Not because it was hard, but because Aaron was teaching working and I was busy and we just never had any time within the weekday to go to the bank together because we own the LLC 50-50 and when you own an LLC with two people both people have to go to the bank to open a bank account so open your own LLC (laughs) is my (laughs) advice and you can go by yourself and then um we had we had it all we had all that figured out paperwork we had our, uh, my parents' CPA help us out, and he was great. He didn't even charge us for it. He was just like, I just want a cup, or if you guys ever make anything. And we were like, we're not making anything. But okay. We found a kiln on Craigslist. Or where did you find it? No, one. Oh, oh yeah, two. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we had two. We got the first kiln. On a... On a like an auction, auction. Uh-huh. from a school. We never used it. Yeah, because it's still in my building. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still, <laughs> it's, still it's still it's still sitting useless <laughs> in a corner in my building. Yeah, right I was so optimistic <laughs> that I was gonna find a way was to it convert like, three phases. It was, phase like, it was three phases. Yeah. Like three hundred dollars or something. No, no, pay for it. Sixty bucks. Uh, well, come on. I mean, that 60, tracks. Sixty bucks to get this thing. That didn't turn out. Let's whatever. see if I can sell it for more. They cost thousands, thousands of dollars. So. Yeah, well, we own two. We own three now, yeah. and two of them were very expensive for the size, like the size of that one. They were very expensive. Yeah, I mean, when we started Studio Ludo, it was because glassware for recreational tobacco use. Tobacco use. Nudge, nudge, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, quotation figures. <laughs> was it's so it's so ugly. It's so expected, and it has this like weird culture wrapped up in it. Like and it's so high school and immature, and, and everything looks like a dick. And it's like cool. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I, I Do just it. I just don't think that it needs the 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 group of the population that's recreationally smoking. <laughs> they're growing they're maturing they're not like yeah. it's it has its own thing now so it doesn't need to have the same like it doesn't need to be polluted with the immaturity yeah. from the other products and so I, just so that we don't anger anybody I think that the glass stuff is awesome though. It's, yeah there's beautiful it's glass gorgeous. For sure there's there's nice glass there's there. there's some like the use of color and stuff like that that chick who's uh, 
either boyfriend or fiance or husband or whatever um, makes glass uh, water pipes. Like his stuff is gorgeous. My friends had bought me this for my birthday last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's like cool. it's just it's like it's cute. easy. Glass, yeah. glass has a couple re- redeeming subtle qualities. It's like. It's transparent, you can make cool forms with it. That's right. exciting. Yeah. But it's less controlled. There's a lot of organicism that just is injected into because of the process how it's made. Right. And it, it's not approached from like an artistry or craft you know perspective. Yeah, they get they just get kind of like creepy druggy chemistry set. And yeah, I, I just and they get think, a little scary. Yeah, yeah, that was like, that's, I don't know, there, there's another approach we can have to this, and we just broke down the basic physics. By we, it, you mean just Aaron. I was not involved at all. <laughs> like, not, not because, like, I didn't want to be. I was just so busy doing other shit, and you were, you, you were using your free time to just design that. What's funny is I remember some of the processes that went into making it. And I remember seeing it a couple times being done on the CNC and being like, you know, that kind of looks like, and he was like, nothing. It looks like nothing. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, so you're dancing around it. Got it. (laughs) Well, you know, you have to be, you have to be careful. I remember actually one time we were, we contacted a mold, a professional molding because we were struggling with the mold. Yeah, it's a complex shape, and we couldn't figure out what. The fuck to yeah, do. I was like dancing around what this is, and I had a phone call with him, and he's like, "Let's do this." And this is a water pipe, right? You only need for ten minutes. Okay, I mean, I'm in Texas, so I just know. yeah. But I, I mean, we we worked on that. Yeah, it was it was like a year. There's 27 different attempts made to get it right next to me on the 27. Yeah. And I pulled out every trick in the book that I had. I mean, that's that's part of like why product design was such a good uh, background to have for the both of us because we we knew so many different processes, so many different manufacturing techniques right. that we could just bring to bear to. Process that's, I mean, ancient. You know, ceramics has been around. It's, hot shards are what you know anthropologists use to study ancient civilizations. They right. just exist. It's like a great documentation for the anthology of just humans. And that was totally new to us. Like we weren't ceramicists. We no. just we knew the basic function of plaster molds and slip and clay, and then had to figure out the rest. And so we just got damn good at failing. And then after that, it was like, I don't know, things clicked. Because once we made it such a complex form successfully. Well, there's more to that. Because then we were posting pictures on our Instagram. We just had number 27. And it was like a joke. Like, <laughs> look how funny it is. Because only my name's attached to it, right? Because Aaron's working for the university, and we don't know if that's okay. And, um, it's, like, funny. And then one of our friends, Giovanna, contacts us, and she's like, hey, 
uh, this guy named Kenny is doing this market. It's like a plant market, but they sell like plants. And it's like in a three weeks. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, sure. So I sign up, and it's like first time I've ever signed up to do any of this. So I don't really know what the process is like. And I'm like, I guess we need a tent, and like, oh fuck, we need we need product. Yeah, we didn't make any planters. Like, we didn't make pots or anything yeah. like yeah. that. So it was like, marshal all of the resources we have available to us. We need to make... We had a 3D printer. And I had a trial version of Shaper 3D, 360 or whatever it was called, of Shaper on my iPad. And I was like, okay, this looks good, print it. All yeah. right, this looks good, print it. It was really exciting because I don't think we've ever... Up until that point, we had never been so rapid in our production of something. Yeah. We had, yeah. like, chewed on number 27 for a year. And then, I mean, pots are decidedly simple. So we're just we're just cranking, cranking things out. We still make uh, most of the same, yeah. same of those pieces. We've added stuff, but... Yeah. yeah. I was making a cup. I was making Vinny uh, for a long time. Before we even made the planters. Yeah. Before our first market... We're like really, really desperate to get a a website up. Yeah, because we didn't want like like a, a landing page we just said like come in soon or something. So we had a friend of ours help us out. It's like it's just like studio again. Yeah, you know, it really we're did up feel to like two a.m. or something the, the day night before. before. You know, trying to get a website ready to go and having packed all the cars and whatever. Oh, and then the first market we took two cars. Now we take one car and we still have space in it. Yeah, we really like, that out. We, it took a lot. Yeah, it took a, it took a while and it took a lot of money. Because now that plywood's as much as gold. Yeah. Well, where, I guess, where do y'all compare yourselves now to back then? Well, we're not in our garage anymore. Yeah, we have our own studio. We have our own studio. We, our production has increased. Mostly because of space. Like, we actually have the space to make all this shit in. Right. And, like, put it down. Because before it was, like, piling up on a table. And then it was like, okay, well, we have to stop because we don't have anywhere else to put it anymore. And then we, when we were at the house, we started moving into the dining room. And we were like, yeah, we can't do this. <laughs> this is not okay. Yeah, it was, it was fast. I mean, I think when I told Brenda about this idea that I wanted to do it, he was like, I mean, it wasn't just, I think the chemistry glass can be improved on, you know, yeah. through this process. It was, you know, we, we had these skills, and I, I did not want to be in a corporate environment. And I had interns in the corporate environment, very free consulting, and I don't know, I just couldn't. I told my mom once that I wanted to work in a place where I could wear a dirty apron. Like, I said, dirty apron is like part of my and this kind of fit perfectly. Like I just the craft meant a lot to me. The design work, creativity meant a lot to me. And this just sort of blended that together. And I told Brenda, and that was yeah, it was like ten months. Yeah. And then I remember Aaron was like, "Okay, I have this weird idea." I was like, "Okay." And he's like, "I want to make a ball." Water pipe. Sorry, I want to make a water pipe. <coughs> Exactly. And I was like, okay, 
and he was like, I have this idea, you know, for it, it didn't look the way that it looked now, but it's like, I just I feel like it could be better. I'm like, okay. And I think when you brought the idea of Uber Stone to me, we were still in grad school, we were off of last semester of final instruction. And I was like, okay. But I didn't really think about it. And you were, you kept designing and you kept doing everything and you were working on your thesis and you were kind of working on this as like a relief of, you know, mental capacity. And then you had a design and you would show it to me and I'd be like, I don't know, I feel like this and this. And then you'd show it to me again. I'm just like critiquing you, your design, telling you, I don't know. And then you did all this research about like how it all works because we had no idea. And then... Um, and then I, I, you were talking about it so much that eventually the Google interface in our home started sending me ads for things. <laughs> tobacco use only. For tobacco use only. <coughs> and my, my Instagram started to become inundated with ceramics. And I was like, I am now one <laughs> with my home and my husband. Yeah. And then, like, suddenly like all of my money is going into funding this like badass project that we've got going on and it, it's just like slowly but surely just like depleting all of my money like today we spent another thousand dollars and it's like it's so expensive but like Today, just to, just the experience we had today, we spent one thousand dollars, just under a thousand dollars, and my job was so much easier. It was wonderful. We had a great day. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's I I would say if we were comparing where we were, whenever the heck I don't remember pre COVID. Like I don't, my brain doesn't process register several years ago. Yeah, okay. So like back then, compared to now, we have a. I, I would say our command of our medium is improved by many, by many oh magnitudes. Yeah, I'm less scared of doing anything. And, and we've like, oh, we try, we try some weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> we like, I don't, the knowledge for, the knowledge in ceramics is so arcane. I mean, we, the, like, calculations for the amount of, like, plaster to use in something, we have a fine scribbled in a book somewhere. You know, it's just, yeah. it's weird that, it's so hard to access, but I think it's hard to access because the people that know it don't know how to use the internet. It's artistry. It's, it's like it's <laughs> you know, not, like it's it's, yeah, it's, it's not, not part of their language. Right. It's not like it's a dying discipline. All the websites that we go to to buy stuff are like ancient. Like I don't like you go through and you have to do like fifteen clicks to get to like one thing, and then you can't buy it. It is kind of like the when you think about uh, the very ornate classical things, uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking fucking pyramids, yeah, fucking uh, you know uh, hieroglyphs, you know, carved into walls. It's so almost uh, distant past that it's like. Kind of hard to wrap your head around. It, almost. It was it was such a big learning curve, and I feel like we're still on that curve. 
I, I don't think we'll ever not be on that curve. Yeah, I, just I feel think, like we'll always be learning. I think the improvements we've made since we started was mostly just the command of the medium that allowed us to try the weird shit to right. actually be successful. And I mean, we've we've done all kinds of like embedding three D prints and plaster molds to hold little rods to create holes and things. We just like whatever we could try and do to make something work. Yeah, we have the space now and the skill set to actually make that happen. Yeah, and I think because of the degrees that we have, it kind of works out pretty well because Aaron, with his master's, learned way more about you know three D modeling and stuff than I did. He's much better at it than I am. He can make pretty much anything, and we. We have, you know, the money to do it. It's just, like, disposable income that we just have to be able to do all of that. Um, and buy materials and buy tools and buy big-ass cameras and be able to do all of that. That's really helpful. Um, and then I have my degree in supply chain management, so I can source materials. I can make those phone calls and buy a thousand boxes, which I wish I hadn't, but I did. <laughs> this is so many, and they're in our house still, because there's nowhere else to take them. Um, but, like, I I have at least the, um, the knowledge and the skill set to do those things and be knowledgeable. You know, when I ask questions, I know what I'm asking. I Nothing really gets lost in translation, because I'm like, okay, I just want to make sure that this and this, and, you know, it's just what you learn in, in school. And then learn in the real world, as Aaron has learned, um, that mistakes do happen. Very expensive mistakes. But that's okay. And it's $800 worth of material. But we'll use it. I mean... It's just, it's cool. I mean, we've met so many cool people. Like, all of the plant people at the markets have slowly converted us into plant people, too. Just you. Just you. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I like to support everybody, and everybody supports you, too. And I just like to buy shit from people. Unfortunately, I've killed a lot of succulents, but I know that I'm not good at that. Just talk to Josh. Yeah, he can make his got the green thumb. He's got the green thumb. Yeah, I mean, you you went to the bathroom. Those those pathos, that big mama pathos, made all of those other pathos. Really? Yes. Yeah, I mean, just like the the community's cool, the market crowd's cool. We've had some weird experiences, but uh, whatever, you know, you learn. And I feel like. No, it's just it's just the beginning. We're making plates and stuff now. We tested some stuff out today, some new clay today. Felt good. We'll see. We want to be in a restaurant one day. It might be our own restaurant, but it'll be a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that'll be our that's our arrived moment. Like you said, like you've arrived. You have like in Target, your product yeah. in Target. We want we want a restaurant. Yeah, we want we, we a restaurant. Place, a custom place for restaurant. Yeah. 
we're all, I mean, we're we're halfway there. We we're making candle vessels. We're in the process of making candle vessels for Manhattan, and that's exciting. Yeah, we're working with pretty cool, and that's exciting. Those people were awesome. I mean, they my gave gave us a chance. I mean, it worked out. You you kind of worked with him for a little bit. At the school. Oh yeah, that's true. We talked to him for a while. So I know it all. It all kind of works out. Fits in. Like after our first market, we got like three wholesale orders. Yeah. And that was really rad. It made us feel really good. Yeah. We sold out of stuff at the first market we did. We didn't have a lot, but we still sold it all. We didn't think we were going to sell anything. Yeah, not anything. That was exciting. That was really exciting. Our families did come and buy a lot of stuff, <laughs> but our parents are our biggest fans. Your parents are. My parents have, my mother has single-handedly funded every single market. For, she buys one thing from everybody. <laughs> she deserves an award. Yeah. Well, thank y'all for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is fun. This is pretty fun. Um, do y'all have, uh, do you a little Instagram stuff that you want to share? Yeah. So our Instagram handle is studio.luto, L-U-T-O. Our website is www.studioludo.com. Um, Aaron isn't on social media. Sorry. George Chow. I know you're looking for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's friended me too. So, yeah, you know, he likes to connect all the. He like yeah, he likes to connect all the industrial design people, and he's like, I've been looking for Aaron. I'm like, not on the internet, just LinkedIn, buddy. Yeah, that's it. Nice, cool. Um, as always, uh, if y'all want to follow Better Left On Set on any of our social media you can find us on instagram at bl underscore unsaid you can find us on twitter at bl unsaid podcast you can find us um if you want to send us fun stories embarrassing stories uh or you want to share theme ideas you can send it to bl unsaid.podcast at gmail.com and if you want to uh, leave reviews or subscribe, make sure y'all do so. Y'all can do that on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Good Pods, on Podbean, on literally everything. We are everywhere. <laughs> literally. You can find us on anything almost. Um, leave your five-star reviews there. If you do want to send us a one-star review, as always, um, just... Put it in an email, big one star in an email to blnz.podcast.gmail.com. Uh, just so we see it, you know? There's no point in leaving it on uh, reviews or comments or anything like that because I won't see it there. So just send it via email directly. There you go. Um, bye-bye.